What is the type of vehicle accident that doesn't involve people called? Fender bender? Well, whatever. Yeah, however. John has a vehicle incident that um, has nobody in any danger going to the emergency room or anything like that. Well, that's not necessarily true. (laughs) From the accident. (laughs) From the accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to GeekScan, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and my co-host uh, joining me this evening is Old Faithful Bryce Anthony. How's it going, everybody? Uh, yeah, the two of us are holding down the fort, and I know we promised you last time that you were going to start this episode off with um, old less than faithfuls ranked settings for uh for for D. Uh, but since since old less than faithful isn't here tonight uh we decided troy is gonna step up and fill that gap uh so we're, we you know we don't have news heavily tonight we do have a topic for the evening but troy you you said that you you have a plan for how you're gonna do, do this i do so. and, and there is one little piece of news some watsy news oh um, yeah yeah uh, apparently, uh, a Magic the Gathering influencer was sent some preview cards and showed them off on, on a channel. And, uh-huh. But what it appears to have happened is whoever sent the cards, another part of the company didn't know that they were sending out advanced copies of the cards. So when they found out that somebody is leaking the the new cards, um, they freaked out and hired uh, Pinkerton agents to figure out how they got the copies of the cards. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, a lot of people are, like, bashing really hard, which, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's fine, whatever. It sounds more like a, you know, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing kind of a situation um yeah the 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 lead time was like quite a bit as opposed to the usual few days so it kind of threw people off um uh, and i mean i haven't dug deep on this but apparently watsy is is uber apologetic about the whole thing they were just trying to you know it's probably one of those things where you know bob went to went to grab coffee Somebody figured out that this person has advanced copies. Oh my gosh, we got to do something. We have a leak. And then Bob comes back, none the wiser as to what's going on. And then finally hears about, oh man, we got him. We got the person that with the leak. What are you talking about? No, I sent that person those cards. See, I heard that he didn't get them himself, that they went to a store that was oh, in his man. local area. And he bought them from his store. Oh, and that was the mm-hmm. and that was part of the issue is that he he said he did not realize that he was buying cards that weren't supposed to be in circulation. The store didn't realize that they were selling cards that weren't supposed to be in circulation. And because mm. because what I what I heard was that he paid money for the cards. Oh, or and that's part of the issue is that they confiscated things that he had paid for and, and quote unquote didn't know. No, I, I find it hard to believe that you paid a lot of money to live stream a thing with cards, not knowing that they were 
early release, you probably knew that they weren't supposed to be out. That being said, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit ridiculous that you send agents to someone's house. Yeah, to, I, I don't know what I don't know what that's all about, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've gotten D and D books before they have hit the <laughs> streets. Like, a, I'm not saying from where. It's a not secret. Saying from where? Uh, but I'm just saying, like, you know, street dates get broken all the time. Not just in this RPG set sense, but in the larger video game sets mm-hmm. and other game sets, like it's, it's typical. So I think it's a little bit ridiculous to jump like this. Um, now, if it was somebody that sent the wrong things or a store that broke a rule, that store should be the repercussion, not the guy. Yeah. In my opinion, yeah. like stores make a lot of money from magic. And if that store is found to be selling packs before street dates, then you can, you could come down pretty swift and heavy on them and they'll learn a lesson real fast. I'm not saying that they should like, you should send a Pinkerton agent, but I think that you could say like, Hey, we're going to stop sending you for six months. Yeah. You know, spe- you know, pre-release packs because you, whatever. And that store is going to learn that lesson super fast. Yeah. So, so Girk's store doesn't release the, the books until two weeks after they're allowed to. <laughs> they, they're just, Trying to be safe. They don't want any agents knocking <laughs> on their door. That's right. That's now they have an excuse, Kirk. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're playing they they knew what they were doing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh that's well, that's fascinating. Uh it's a fascinating thing. Uh they just can't they can't do anything right at this point, right? Like they're just struggling. So they, they can't buy a brief. <laughs> yeah. <Ugh>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put your money where our mouth is. Or something. Let's restart. John, Troy, and myself get an itch to do some writing every once in a while, and when that happens, we publish it through World of Game Design. Head on over to store.wogd.com to find books like Oceanic Depths, Scrap Rats, and Motherload that feature design by your delightful and charismatic hosts. Again, that's store.wogd.com. W-O-C-D dot com. All right. Well, uh, with that, Troy, let's talk to us about your list. All right. This this is a massive list because I found a list, a chronological list of all the settings that are were official D&D settings. Um, mm-hmm. Starting off in 1977 with Blackmore, uh, which is Dave Artisan's uh, personal setting that uh, that he used to tell his stories and kind of like launched the whole concept of what became D anD. d At the time, it was, I believe, that just the fantasy game. If, if mm-hmm. that, if that's correct. Um, then in 1980, Greyhawk comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was Gary Gygax's answer to Blackmore, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, after that... Uh, also known as the setting that can't. <laughs> yes, th- this is the setting that can't. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Which I don't understand that. I, I always liked Greyhawk. It was gritty. Um, had, had, a, had a realistic-ish feel to it you know if there were like magic and dragons and stuff like that and then there was mistara and mistara was the 
the world that was kind of alluded to in the box sets. Yep, it's the basic D and D setting. It is the basic D and D. Like you know, I think there was a like a a red box that it that was set in there had a cool painting on the front. Um, but so I, you know, Mistar was my first world, and I and I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was so much. It was it was so. It, it was comfortable. You, you kind of like, it just felt like it should be there kind of a thing, you know? And then in, uh, 83 Ravenloft comes out with, uh, I six, um, the, the infamous adventure. Mm-hmm. Pelinor, which I am unfamiliar. I'm actually unfamiliar with Pelinor. I'm going to have to look into this a little bit. It's a field just below the walls of Minas Tirith and on, kind of separates Minas Tirith from the river and the larger city of Osgiliath. So. Well, that's, that's that Pelinor. But what was the D and D Pelinor is what I'm wondering. I have here that it, it was only produced in the imagine magazine that TSR put out. Ah, that explains a lot. Yes. Yeah. I never, I never got a hold of any of the imagine books. Um, and then also in 84, Dragonlance uh, mm-hmm. came out, and so did the uh, licensed Conan RPG, mm-hmm. which was just a reflavored uh, D&D. Um, I never, I, even though I was a huge Conan fan, I never bought the, the game stuff for it. Um, Dragonlance, I didn't own any of the modules. I did read the books, but I didn't own, own any of the adventures until later on. Um, in 85, uh, Lankmar came out, which is Fafford and the Grey Mouser. They mm-hmm. did it, and it was a, a, a soft cover book. I bought that. That was pretty cool. Um, 86 was Caratur and Red Sonia. Um, Red Sonia is the, the female counterpart to Conan, for those of you that don't know. And if you don't know, I'm not really sure why, you, why you're listening, but whatever. Um, yeah, the two Conan modules that came out are really expensive. And I wish, I wish I would have bought those back in the mm-hmm. day. 87 sees the, the release of Forgotten Realms, which oddly enough... Um, is older than any of the settings on here. It's, I mean, not the IP settings like Conan, but like Blackmore and Greyhawk and Nistara and all that. Uh, for those that don't know, Forgotten Realms was the home world for uh, Ed Greenwood to write his stories in. And he began writing these stories when he was a young lad. Um, and you can actually find some of those stories out there to read. Um, not very good. <laughs> but considering how old he was, they're great. <laughs> um, and Forgotten Realms has become the de facto setting for D&D mm-hmm. pretty much ever since. There's been some flip-flops here and there, but Forgotten Realms has just been... A juggernaut, as far as that's concerned. Eighty nine sees the release of Spelljammer, 
which according to some is absolute crap. Mm-hmm. Zero of a hundred. Yeah, zero out of a hundred. Yeah. Um, basically, D and D in, in uh, space on flying boats, kind of. Thing. Yes. And then, in 1990, Hollow World comes out. Hollow World is actually part of Mystara, or the Known World, mm. as as they call it. Um, and I really dug the idea of Hollow World. And and there's been in literature Hollow World settings all over the place. Um, you know, journey to the center of the earth and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you you find the the entry point. You go down and there's dinosaurs and if I remember correctly, there were like Incan and Aztec like societies in the hollow world. Mm-hmm. And you could go down and, and uh, you know, adventure in there, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, I believe like Mistara and hollow world, as far as I'm concerned, had the superior um, quote unquote evil elf lineage. Mm. They were shadow elves. Now, mm-hmm. drow, drow are cool, but shadow elves, they had a pale gray complexion. They rode around on uh, lizards. And they had, you know, black t- black hair, white hair, that kind of a thing. And it just made more sense to me because, you know, hey, they're, they're, they're more ashy pale than jet black you know or whatever mm-hmm. it is now like dark purple or yeah whatever they're saying it is now um you know because they live underneath the ground and haven't seen the sun in ages but i just thought that was kind of a, a neat take on mm-hmm. a, a quote-unquote dark elf uh dark sun comes out in 91 um fantastic setting it's kind of like australia on steroids Literally everything in Dark Sun wants to and can kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Dark Sun has been deemed. Uh, some of the themes of Dark Sun have, have been deemed way too problematic to see a uh, a revisit in the five E setting. So maybe somebody will touch on it in a in a third party product somewhere yeah. down the road. Uh, 92, we see the release of Al-Kadim and Thunder Rift. Al-Kadim is the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Aladdin in the Lamp, that kind of thing. There's there's gin, whirling dervishes, genies in lamps, all that kind of stuff, flying carpets. Um, and it just never, never really got off the ground. It's really cool. I mean, the, the artwork and stuff for it was gorgeous. But, uh, yeah, it never seemed to... It was, it was. I guess it was too niche and probably not very well supported. Um, Thunder Rift were, was kind of like just a, a side setting, if I remember correctly. They did a couple very, very small soft cover books about it. Um, set a couple adventures in there. I had... One or both of those things, but yeah, I couldn't tell you much more about it than that. Yeah, it ties to Mastara. Thunder. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Then in '94, all in '94, we get 
this is this is where you see you know uh, TSR just trying trying anything and everything to save the ship. Right, we've got Birthright, Council of Worms, Planescape, and Red Steel. You got. I'm glad at least somebody picked up on that, Craig. Thank you. Um, Birthright was an interesting setting where not only could you play. Uh, you know, your group of adventurers, but you could also play uh, lords and ladies of lands and, and uh, city states and things like that. And mm-hmm. they had a whole system on how, you know, you're trying to uh, make sure your citizens are happy and, and uh, building resources and making deals with other, other places and stuff like that. And they also had these, I don't remember what they called them, but there were these entities, almost like, you know, Greek mythology, like where a Medusa was just a single creature, right? Mm-hmm. They, they had these entities all over the world that uh, super, po- super powered. Um, you, had to, you had to make sure you didn't anger them or all hell would break loose. Um, there was uh, the only one that I can remember... I uh, I played Birthright very very briefly, and the only one I remember is this elf that hated humans. He was super powerful, and his name was like twelve letters long, and it was pronounced Rove R O V E, but it was like incredibly long, and the way it was spelled, it looked like Rohubi. So the DM was so pissed at us constantly calling this this creature Rohubi Rohubi Manslayer. It didn't go well. Council of Worms, uh, kind of similar. You could play. You could actually play a dragon. Um, so that was interesting. How you know it, you would play? You could play the dragon and, and and go through all of its machinations, and then you could go down and play one of the dragons. Uh, underlings that would go on adventures it all it always kind of you start off with like the the big thing and then you kind of drill down to the smaller more recognizable adventuring party to go do things that this large dragon can't do planescape planescape is one of my all-time favorite settings it is the 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 city of sigil the, the the city of doors the ruled by the lady of pain Mm-hmm. Um, it is basically the crossroads of all planar existence. So anything and everything you can find, if you if you can't find it in Planescape, you can find a door that will take you there. Mm-hmm. So and uh, Planescape is where Tieflings and Asimar came from, and probably should have stayed. Um. The, the artwork in Planescape was amazing. Tony Dieterlizzi, uh basically uh, ruled the artwork for that, and it was incredible. And they had their own kind of take on uh, Cockney British slang. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the books were written with these little side notations that were written by you know denizens of Planescape, which is really cool. Red Steel, 
I had Red Steel, didn't play it a whole lot. There was Cinebril, which was a magical red metal that can like poison you, but everybody wanted it. That's kind of, that's about it's all a, I remember. So something that's interesting about Red Steel is that it was it's also called the Savage Coast, and that is a part of Mistara. Yes. So it's kind of all fused together. It was originally called the Savage Coast. And then when it kind of became its own setting, they they rebranded it as Red Steel. Um, or and they're, they're kind of a back and forth give and take there. But those are, to some extent, referring to similar things. Um, what Just just hanging out in 94 for just a moment. What a wild, like you would say, man, four, oh, four yeah. releases in one year. That said, what a wild variety. It, it was. And I was one of, you know, there are very few on this list that I did not buy. Mm-hmm. I had all four of those <laughs> uh, in 94. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a wild collection. Like you, you can't like, there's something for everybody there. I feel mm-hmm. like, um, and, and they go to very extreme edges and then you, then you bounce up to some really like this, this list in 96, 97, right, right on the yep. end of TSR, right, right in the crossover period. <laughs> we, uh, uh, that I think is a fascinating, weird set, um, a weird, weird set of, 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 of settings. Yeah. Uh, Arcane Age and Savage Coast in 96, which I'm surprised that nothing, there's, you know, they really don't have anything about Arcade Age, but that actually talks about, um, like a prehistory of the Forgotten Realms. Yep. And, uh, if, if you've played, um, Rime of the Frost Maiden, and, you know, they talk about the, the fall of Nethril and the Netherese and, and, uh, spell weavers and things like that, that's where these things came from. Yeah. That's where all of that came from. It was the, 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 the empire of the Nethril. They, they lived in giant flying cities that were built on the, the peaks of floating mountains and stuff like that. I would, I have in my list of agendas, an agenda to run a Netheril series mm. because I think it would really help make the Forgotten Realms. And when you went back and played in Forgotten Realms Adventures, you would be very excited and very interested in seeing all the notes and nods to the Netheril mm-hmm. Empire, Ironstones, right? Like, yep. there's a lot of cool stuff there. Yeah, and and, and that's why uh, in the in the current realms in D and D period, but in current realms lore, spells only go up to ninth level. Right. Yeah. During the time of Netheril, they went like crazy. Gonzo, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things about some of the Rim of the Frost Maiden adventures and setting up there is that they've got a lot of references to the Netherrealm Empire tucked away into some of that mm-hmm. content, and I, I always found that to be really interesting. Um, uh, someone is asking, uh, Mike was asking, how old you are? I, I would say, <laughs> you know. Yeah, don't make me count that high. Uh, well, I was gonna say, um, what's what's the what's the statement like? Count count the count the number of stars in the sky. 
<laughs> Not the number of grains of sand on a beach. Ouch. Then you'll be, uh, wherever be you stop and give up, you'll be close. Yeah. You'll be close. That's, uh, that's probably fair. <laughs> so. uh, anyway, back to it. <clears throat> then we, in 97, there's Jakandor and Rokugan. Uh, Jakandor, I had, I had one of those books, right? And I believe it was like a jungle setting, um, kind of a thing. There was a plateau in, uh, oh, you guys are jerks. Oh, history professor, not only did I hit 50, but I beat the shit out of it. Yeah, it is in my rear view. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, J- uh, Jakandor uh, is kind of like a you know a jungle. I don't. I really don't remember a whole lot about it. I had the book, at least one of the books. I think there was two, because I think it was like paperback books or soft cover books, and there was two tribes. And I think, if I remember correctly, one. They had a book for each tribe, but I could be yep. completely wrong. Eastern and Western side of violence, uh, barbarian tribes, and this was written by Jeff Grubb. Yes. It, yeah, uh, history professor, it wasn't very popular, um, but it was pretty neat. Though I, I did enjoy reading through it, but like I said, I, I never incorporated it into anything. Uh, Rokugan is, if I remember correctly, Legend of the Five Rings, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. That's what yep. uh, kind of that became I never got into Rokugan because it was one of those things where if you don't have if you don't have a group that's into that kind of a thing which I don't know why I picked Rokugan to use this on because I got had everything else and didn't have a group that was into it but I kind of feel like if you don't have a group that's into that you know that mythos and that uh, that kind of a thing you, you, it's kind of a you're not going to do it you're not going to do it well it was published initially. Um, they put it in the back of Oriental Adventures, the last edition of that, I believe. So, mm. so it kind of snuck its way in as a setting. Um, they needed, I think, something to kind of help Oriental Adventures um, have some validity. So they yeah. baked that into the back, and they owned it. I mean, they had to figure out something to do with it at that point, right? So. Um, well, it would have been right at the end, though. So I guess maybe they didn't know. I don't yeah, know. Whatever. Pretty, pretty close um, to you. What is Dragon Fist, Troy? I don't know anything about Dragon Fist. You know, I didn't either. But Dragon Fist, it was released on the Wizards website. And it was promoted as a new role-playing game. And it was kind of like a, an introduction. Or kind of like a, an AD&D variant. But it was, it was, you know, almost at the end of the second edition uh, hmm. lifespan. And uh, they they kind of blended rules from the different editions. Um, so yeah, it was it was weird. Um, I it, it was kind of like for uh, f- their attempt at uh, I believe it was uh, Wushu mm. the the Wushu films, you know, with the, the all the wire work and all that for yep. like. What, what those the, of us called, called, you know, Saturday morning kung fu theater. 
This is um, <clears throat> this is a, a line of books that started a line of settings, a line of products that kind of started kind of where we are right now, right? Where mm -hmm. you're kind of in this weird, hazy, gray area in between editions where you know something else is coming, where they're working on something else. Because this is a, this is a, which is the Coast product now, yeah, I believe. And so I, to me, it, it's one of those things like we have uh, 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 some of the books that are coming out now for 5e and they're like, well, these contain rules that are actually going to be for one D&D. And kind of a transition book, right? Yep. This is kind of the same thing. And that kind of goes along with Diablo 2, right? That That is listed right in the same year. Yeah. Um, you know, this is this is a point where they're not really willing to commit all in to anything because they've got other things on the horizon. But they kind of kick out these odd little products in the meantime, right? Yeah. And I had, I had the Diablo... Um, Diablo 2 game. Um, it, it was all... It was very much Diablo. There was charts like crazy. And when you would defeat something, you would roll on the charts and it would determine what the magic item is and what it does and how much gold you get. And you advanced very quickly. And it was it was basically just uh, a dungeon... a dungeon delver run and gun. Yeah. You, could, you could play it without a DM. You didn't need... Any of that stuff. Um, Ma Sarpa, I did not uh, ever see or get into, but it was a South Asian themed campaign setting. Um, it was, it was released online only. Yeah, and you know what this one reminds me of? You remember when Chris Lindsay years ago was on his in his quote unquote free time making converting other. Uh, uh, magic settings mm -hmm. into D and D and putting them up on the DMs Guild. So there's like Zedekar and a yep. few others. This feels like that, that like somebody's be. little side project that they had just enough clout to play around with, but not enough clout to actually get in a print version. Yeah. So, and then yeah. in tw 2003, finally get a gap. You finally get a, a few years of breathing room after after the purchase of, of TSR. Um, and you get Ghost Walk, which was actually pretty cool. It was a whole, like, uh, city that, you know, both the living and the dead lived in. And you could see the ghosts walking around, and, and they still did certain jobs. And you could do, you know, you lived amongst each other. And and stuff like that. It was it was just kind of a neat setting. I never really, never really did anything with it, but it was neat. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a single book, right? Yeah, it's a single book. Yeah, it was a single and, book. And uh, I think that's the most interesting piece. I've looked at this book several times to like try to pick it up because I feel like it deserves. It's kind of like Red Steel for me, and then it's like. What is this odd thing that has an odd idea? Let's let's dive in and see what what's there. So I, I'm sure I'll own Ghost Walk uh, before long because yeah. it intrigues I, me. I don't know if I still have it somewhere, but I know I had it at one point. And it's like they released it and then immediately got excited about Eberron. Yep, and then um, and that was during the time of the of the of the setting search. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and Eberron came out, and Eberron is probably my number one favorite setting. As far as actual D and D settings go, 
Um, I don't know that I really need to talk about it, Ron. You all probably know about it. <laughs> and, if, and if not, you can, you can figure it out. But it, it's kind of a steampunk slash magic punk slash, you know, there's it's it's kind of high fantasy but low magic yeah low and wide magic mm-hmm. there's there's not a bunch of you know elminsters running around and all that kind of stuff it there's it can do anything it's one of those settings where you can find a corner of the world and you can put whatever type of game you're looking for in it mm-hmm. and that's what i like about it so much yeah so, so before we move on to this, let's let's just put a pin real quick on note, right? If you ignore Mahasarbra and Diablo, right, and those like early ones that were kind of like a here, let's throw some at the wall real quick while we're mm-hmm. still kind of in the middle of developing or just starting off. The only two in in that mountain of third edition content, the only two settings that were created were Ghostwalk and Eberron. That's it. What a fascinating turn, right? Because that's yeah. that's that's years, right? That's well, years. That's... Now, those are the only ones that were created then. But if I remember correctly, they did have like a a revised oh uh, Forgotten Realms book. Yeah, they they went back and grabbed things, but they didn't bring new. They didn't craft. No, new yeah, they, they craft new settings. Yeah, what a fascinating um, thing, right? And the, the weird thing about third edition is, I believe they switched from Forgotten Realms being the default setting to Greyhawk being the default setting. Mm-hmm. And then in fourth edition, they went right back. Yeah, ish. Actually, they did. Well, no, no they didn't. Nintir no, because we're yeah, Nintir Vale, which which was actually the. I'll tell you, uh, just a side, little side. My first forays into settings at all were Nintir Vale and Dark Sun. And that was through mm. listening to different podcasts and different things. Like I've, everything before that was homebrew, everything, right? Okay. And so, as I don't recall a lot about Nintir Vale except the points of light idea and mm. some of that. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, I enjoyed Nantir Vale a lot, but I remember of uh, listening to it and being like, oh, this is cool. Like, it's a dark age, you know, and you're, you're kind of helping take those pinpricks of light and expand them or at least keep them alive. Um, and that was also when they had that weird, um, like, plague, right? Wasn't the, there, like, some the, sort of weird the spell, spell plague? plague? Yeah. Was that when that was? Yeah, because that was when remember. It, that was in because that was Forgotten Realms. Because every time there's a new edition, some realms shattering yeah. event happens. Yeah, and this I think I don't remember if it was a spell play because yeah, because Abir and Toril both occupied the same world all of a sudden, and they advanced the timeline by like a hundred years. So yeah. all of the characters you knew probably should have been dead, but then like yeah. Ari Salvatore figured out how to make sure that all of his characters made the jump. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember being more fascinated by Nentir Vale than what was going on over there. Oh yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, like it has a special place in my heart and if I, I like I've already said this twice, but like Nentir Vale is something that I would like to explore again. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it got a good rap. I, it didn't get a fair shake. That's it. Did not get it. a fair shake. 
Um, I yeah. think uh, Mike Merles did a series, like a video series, where he did stuff in. I think you're right. Yeah. Ninter Vale, but it was during Fifth Edition that he was doing it because mm-hmm. he went back to revisit kind of a thing, which is kind yeah. of pretty cool. Um, and then that that Ninter Vale was 2007, mm-hmm. and then. The Great Drought um, from 2007 to 2018, we got no new settings. Yeah. I mean, there was, I mean, of course, we had, you know, the, the Ravenloft was redone for fourth edition and Eberron and, you know, and all Redons, that stuff. But nothing. Yeah, yeah, redos, but no, but nothing new until 2018, Ravnica. Another one that did not get a fair shake. Yeah, the first, the first official hardcover Magic: The Gathering D and D setting book, and the first new setting for D and D. Yep. In eleven years. Yeah. And, and abandoned, abandoned right out the gate. Yeah, it was like they they kicked it out of the door, locked it behind it, and said, "Good luck." Which is yeah. sad because it was actually there's actually some really cool ideas in there. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed. Yeah. I I mean, I have it. I I've, I've enjoyed reading it. Um, there's some cool ideas in there. Yeah. Um, there's there's an actual play I believe out there that is based in Ravnica, which is pretty cool, kind of bringing it to life. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Exandria, the Critical Role setting, yep. which is kind of like a no brainer for them to do, but also just kind of got set up and then abandoned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Theros, which is their Greek setting. Which was also a Magic the Gathering setting. Which was also cool and then abandoned. Even yeah. worse than Ravnica, Theros yeah. was abandoned. Um, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so Mike is bringing our attention to the fact that there was a Sword Coast book mm-hmm. that was put out. And holy crap, was that book worthless. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and and also had arguably the worst thought out subclass in the game. Which one was that be? Purple Dragon Knight. <laughs> it does nothing. It does nothing. It's so boring. And 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 you just you juxtapose that with the Battle Rager. Yeah. Which was so cool. Or or as a concept. Was it Swashbuckler from? I think Swashbuckler was also in there, but 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 I remember reading the Battle Rager, be like, "This is cool," and that came from the Dritz books, right? Like that, the dwarves yeah. with the spiked armor. At least yeah. that I remember reading that. Good old, um, good old Thibbeldorf point. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, um, yeah. Sword Coast, I imagine, still does sell, uh, uh, uh Mike, because I think there's. A, a Forgotten Realms setting guide, a true Forgotten Realms, or at least a true Sword Coast setting guide, I think will always be in high demand because it's the default setting. Yeah. Like, they well, should because, have just done it way better. Yeah, Because everything happens on the Sword Coast. Nothing else happens in the rest of the Forgotten Realms. No. Only no. in the Remembered Realms. Yeah, exactly. Then you have Strixhaven, right? Which, um, I... I couldn't tell you much about it other than it's like the Harry Potter setting for magic, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, in a, uh, yeah, Girk is saying that um, 
that like for Ravnica and Theros, there's a lot of third party mm-hmm. uh, stuff on the on the DMs Guild, and that's great. I'm glad there's at least something. They got opened up earlier than some of these other things, um, which is yeah. weird and frustrating. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's just so it's so disappointing that they just tossed it out and let it let it yeah. flounder, let them flounder. Yeah, Strixhaven. It seemed like a cool idea, but yeah, and then Radiant Citadel, which, boy oh boy, that 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 doesn't even feel like a setting, and maybe it is, and I'm just wrong, but it feels more like this is a place that is more of like a, yeah. Anyhow, I don't I don't know enough about it to speak on it, but yeah, yeah. Anyhow, okay, so. That's that's the whole walkthrough of official settings, right? So, Troy, yep. now I'm going to make you... Like, this is going to be the episode, it looks like, which is great, because we'll okay. save our main episode, for our, our main topic for later. But um, we'll have to remember to change the uh, episode title on YouTube. But, um, yeah, right. But let's, 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 let's cap this off, in a way, with talking about your top three. Okay. I don't care about the order, I think. You know, if you got an order, that's great. But top three settings out of this list, and then I also want to hear bottom three for settings that you actually have an opinion on. Like, you know, some of these you said I don't know anything really about these, so that's hard okay. to, you know. Okay. Yeah, uh, which I'm fascinated. I mean, you you spoke for a while, just just going about. You know a lot about most of the settings, which is way different than any review or ranking person that I've seen so far who is like, I know these six settings, so I'm going to rank them. And it's probably right? kind of sad, too, when you think about it. That <laughs> yeah. So much um, yeah. Oh, man. So this this is an informed ranking, I guess, is what we can say here. Well? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, part, being being a member of the AARP, you get a discount on all the old settings on eBay. That's right. <laughs> you, you didn't know that. That's part of that's you know that really small print. Um. Okay, so I'm going to give you my top three. Yep. Yep. And of course, those could change as I as I really you know sit back and think yeah, about yeah, different yeah. ones. Yeah. Gut feeling. Gut feeling. Uh, Eberron. Obviously, I've already said that. Um, yep. Planescape, I've already said that, and I would, I would say, kind of, uh, I would say, tied for the third place would be Forgotten Realms and Mistara, mm. because I feel like they're 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 so similar in a way, but yet then so different as well. Because you can you can be like the uber cosmopolitan, everything happens. Forgotten Realms kind of thing, you could put that in certain areas of Mistara. Um, Mistara has Hollow World, yeah. uh, Karamikos, Galantry, uh, all those different places like that. Um, and it was uh, Mistara was fun because it had, you know, each area was kind of like themed around a real world area. Mm-hmm. So that you could kind of like, oh, okay, I get how they kind of talk and, and how they dress and things like that. And Forgotten Realms did some of that as well. Like in Unther and Mulharand, uh, those people are actually pulled from Egypt. Mm-hmm. 
like literally, they opened up a portal, reached over, pulled them in. So that's why you see some of like, you know, the same iconography and stuff in those areas of the Forgotten Realms. Um, but I mean, there's so many like, you know, I, I, I didn't have a place to stick Dark Sun in there, which is a really cool post-apocalyptic thing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> and honestly, yeah, bottom, bottom three is really hard. I know what would be on the bottom for me. Mm. And that would probably be Birthright. All right. Because I just feel like it didn't do what it was really trying to do. And that was like, you. it, it was definitely something that you had. It was, it was so Nietzsche, to quote uh, Mike. But uh, because you have to have the right kind of group to want to take on your own, like, basically country. Yeah. And run a country as the other players are running their countries. Mm-hmm. And then when an adventure happens, I mean, it can only happen in one of those countries, right? You can't, yeah. you can't have an adventure where everybody's playing a regular character in their own country. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, I don't know. It can be done. I just didn't really enjoy it. I didn't get it. It, it didn't, mm-hmm. you know. I, you know, and, and, and I would, let me, let me take a stab here. Cause I'm going to see if I, I, I know, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but I would guess that you feel very similar about council of worms. Council, yeah, because of the fact that, you know, everybody's playing a big dragon, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a thing. If you could figure out how everybody could play the same dragon, <laughs> that would be, a, I don't know, that'd be kind of different. And then play the minions of said dragon. Yeah. Um, so but, Birthright is at the bottom of the list. Yeah, the, Birthright. Scraping the bottom of the barrel. The, yeah. it's, it's, it's the dross. Uh, or I guess that dross is not... Ignore me. That that's that's, a, that's not at the bottom, <laughs> but the dregs. Yeah. Um. So, any others that you're just like, I don't got time for that. I would like to. I, I if I could go back and look at Red Steel again to, to to figure out if that was kind of a. I don't understand the point of this. Um. Mm-hmm. Akadim could have been cool, but again, it wasn't given really an opportunity. Um, not sure why you need a Red Sonia setting when you have a Conan setting. <laughs> I mean, it's in the same same timeline. I mean, I mean they they knew each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that was though. Okay, so let me let me pitch this to you. Was that in the period of time where adventure paths were written as like like the Ravenloft stuff or like the um, not the Ravenloft but the Dragonlance stuff where you're writing? It is. So Conan came out same year as Dragonlance, right? Mm-hmm. And they're writing adventures that are um, stories using characters from the stories, right? Like you play right. as those characters. Is that true for Conan and Red Sonja where Ish. you play as them? You had they had stats. I know they did have stats for Conan and Red Sonja that you you know so that you, if you wanted to you could play as. 
But again, it's kind of one of those things where why would you do that? Because not everybody's going to be fighting as to, you know, I want to play Conan. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why not Why not uh, just make it the Hyborian Age and, and have Conan be around, but as a background character, you can hear about his exploits, you know, in, in uh, usurping the throne of Aquilonia and whatever. And then you can even more, you know, mix it up a little bit and take it back even farther and do Cull and Atlantis and all that. But I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it looks like to me um, that it is one of those where you play as Conan and a companion, you know, other companions. So this is the reason that it's two settings is because it's, it wants you to follow two different groups of people, right? Yep. Yep. It's and not I, a setting so much as a path. Um, it seems yeah. like. And I agree with what Mike is saying. In the original Dragonlance uh, adventures, you're playing what was written in the novels for the most mm-hmm. part. And you're playing as those characters. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, if I read the novels and I know so-and-so makes it all the way to the end, well, I can't die. Mm-hmm. You know, so what's the point? Um, I will say this: the the new Dragonlance book that came out, plus uh, the stuff that John is working on, I think takes that problem out very, very well. You know, they they mm-hmm. they're doing it, it is set at the same time that the novels are set and the original adventures are set, but it's it's a fight for it's a fight all over Kryn. So it's doing stuff in different parts of the world, showing you. That you know, if if the companions of the lance had failed, well, then the the campaign that you're playing in over here, in 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 John's adventure path, or what's going on in the in the hardback book, uh, it it could have been on you. You you could have been the ones to save Kryn. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Mike's got a couple of notes here. You talked about the Kryn, um, and then uh, talking about Menser talks about Spelljammer wasn't seen. I, rem- I, I remember reading mm-hmm. this as well, so 100% right. I think Spelljammer was seen or received at the time as not so great of a setting, but but interesting as a place, way to get from setting to setting, right? Yep. And I will say that, boy, in my experience, I completely agree with that. I don't care for it as a setting at all. Um, I think Spelljammer ships are cool. Mm-hmm. And in my ideal world, you would use Spelljammer ships to travel from plane to plane on the Astral yeah. Sea, but not from stupid world to stupid world that nobody cares about. So, and, and I think that's the problem with how it was done in 5e. If you want it to be a setting, give us more. Yeah. To, you I know, mean, what, what's out there? And, and really... You can't. You could do a Planescape setting where you're just going from, you know, the the different astral mm-hmm. uh, uh, places. You know, have have a place like nowhere, um, and, and things like that. Uh, the Rock of Brawl, those kinds of places. You don't ever have to go to any of the worlds. You could have all of that going on. And then it just because becomes D and D Star Wars, really, mm-hmm. which is fine, which would be cool, but give me that. Yeah, yeah. 
<clears throat> so okay, so we we, we t- you talked about Al Hadim not really having the uh, the love that it should. You mm-hmm. talked about Conan and Red Son- Red Sonia just being a little bit weirdo. Um, yeah. As, yeah. that you have both, and so you got you. There, what I'm getting is in Troy's mind, a bad setting or not great setting is really defined by is it necessary. And does it get the treatment that it needed to? Right, those right. are the two qualifying that's, that's, things. That's a pretty solid, because I mean, you, you don't need Red Sonya if you've got Conan. You could just put out a supplement, mm-hmm. you know, and talk about how she came from Hyperborea or whatever. Um, most of these, and that's the that's the weird thing about this. Um, when you think about settings and game systems. I feel like D&D is the only system that really gets beat up at all because, you know, oh, there's not been a new setting in so long, or there's only these settings that are out for this edition, you know, things like that. How many settings does Pathfinder have? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. They've got one, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, how many how many settings does you know uh, Forbidden Lands have? One Forbidden Lands. How many settings does and it's not like Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds each quote unquote setting can is a completely different thing, right? Their setting is uh, one setting could be Indiana Jones. Another mm-hmm. setting is, you know, uh, Star Wars. Another setting is Dune. Another, you know, that kind of a thing. So they don't have a bunch of similar places to adventure in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, why do we need a Blackmore? I mean, well, we need a Blackmore because that was the first one. And I guess, you know, Greyhawk, the same thing. Of course, you're going to get one of those. But then Mistara. Why didn't you just take the ideas from Mastara and put them in Blackmore or Greyhawk? Why not? You know, why didn't the stuff from Dragonlance happen on one of the already pre-existing worlds? You know, that kind of a thing. I don't. I. Why do we need so many settings for one game system? Because hmm. mm-hmm. that's well, official. I should say official settings. Because you know, most people do homebrew. If you want to do, if if I wanted to do a Conan. Mm-hmm. In in D and D, I don't need an official setting. I've got the the, it's the Howard a books. It's a pitch, but I mean, it's a pitch, and it's it. You know, it's like like I'm definitely a person that if I want to run a if I want to run your game, like like Simbarum being an example, right? Like mm-hmm. I own a, I already own all the Simbarum books. If I was going to run a Simbarum five E game, I would buy the Simbarum ruins of Simbarum 5e setting right because like i like that they that the work is done for me and i like that i'm sure that they have interesting ideas in there about how to how to make 5e or D work better for that right so like okay so those i agree with what i'm talking about is coming directly from the people that make D. I think that is 100% a well it's 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 the faulty thing that slaying the dragons talks about which is like oh if we make more settings more people will hop on board but i think the more core than that is you have an idea for your homebrew or your home world that you want to bring into this game right it's the idea that like it's the idea of why we have blackmore and then we have greyhawk right it's Mm -hmm. because 
Gygax had a different idea for what would could be cool to play in, right? Um, I think that a lot of it is just different designers, different people wanting to distance themselves and their ideas from everybody else and saying that... I, I would say that there is a dearth of settings that have come out for D&D that could just be stuck in the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. There's probably a handful that couldn't, right? Like I look and I say, well, Ravenloft, maybe not. Well, Dark Sun, maybe not. Right. But 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 there's a huge amount of them like, uh, you could have done this, right? But so those I look at and I say, does Birthright need to be a thing? No, you could have done that in Forgotten Realms, but somebody got to be up their bonnet that they wanted to do their own thing. And that's cool, right? Yeah. Like, I I don't begrudge them that. I just think, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a reality that like you know we all have a story that we want to tell that's locked away in there somewhere, and you know maybe uh, maybe you don't like that there's tieflings and ASMR and Forgotten Realms, and so mm-hmm. it's a it is a um, it is a tarnished setting in your mind now. And if you were going to do it, you just have to throw it out the window and start start new. That's very fair. It, that would lead into a really good topic. That would, yeah. So, if, so if only, if only, if only, if only, if only. So next week, next week, <laughs> we're going to talk about restricting things, putting Are we? limitations. On I thought we had. I thought our, 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 uh, I thought our dance card was full next week. I don't think so. We'll make no? we'll make room. We'll make do. Okay, we'll make room. No, we we can do that. Sunday we've got an interview, and then next. Tuesday, we'll do putting limitations on your world, and uh, you got a whole episode of Troy talking about all the settings this time around and his thoughts on them. I can promise <laughs> you that 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 my list is going to be way different and way shorter, and I think John's list is just going to be Dragonlance. Yeah, um, his top setting is Dragonlance, and his bottom setting is Dragonlance. Nothing in between. There's only one setting in there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and to your point. Not to belabor that at all, but like you're to me, I think that's probably part of the problem. If you would have, if, if, if Forgotten Realms is the, is the space, you could have made a Lankmar like book and put it in Forgotten Realms. You could put that could have been in Waterdeep. Mm-hmm. You could have, you could have done uh, Al Kadim as, you know, a, another area on that world. You could have done Birthright as, Okay, here's how to do the city states and other places like that all over the place, uh, and and play against it. You could have done Dragonlance as a different part of. You could have done Dragonlance in Cormir if you wanted to, because it has those the knights and the war wizards and things like that. You could have taken all these settings and just built out one world, yep. which would have you know you wouldn't have fractured. You would not have fractured the player base like you did, and that was part of the problem that they talk about in uh, Slay the Dragon. If you're going to do that, though, right? If you're going to do that, then I think we have to reopen the concept of what makes a setting a setting. True, because because I think if you start bundling stuff, now I'm willing to start opening that floodgates and saying, ah. Right, and then the it doesn't frozen, have to be the, the frozen north is its own setting. As an example, Cholt is its own setting. If we're if mm-hmm. it, like I start, if you could condense more, I feel like then I start to open up those gates. And so, if we were just talking 
5e, I think it is reasonable to say, well, Chult is a different setting than Sword Coast. Because mm-hmm. um, it feels very, very different. It's in a different region geographically. And we can do that. But I think I think because there's so many settings that are published out there, it's like it's just hard to yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think from from like TSR slash Wizard of the Coast, had they not made all of these settings their own unique worlds, it may not have fractured the player base as much as what it did and caused them so much trouble. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I put a lot of stuff, third-party content in the Forgotten Realms as well, Mike. I think Forgotten Realms is my default setting, or has been my default setting for a long time. And yeah, yeah. And, you're, and you're right, Mike. Zakara slash Akadim is Forgotten Realms. I did forget about that. Yep, yep. So uh, we've got just a couple more minutes here. Um, chat, if you, I see people chatting or responding. Let's let's cover a few more chat notes, and then let's uh, let's let's look to wrap it up. Um. Oh, uh, Mike has a question. Have have we both played D anD D straight through from youth, or took have we taken decades off? Um, taken decades off, as in we've not played, not had any contact with D anD D. We played other systems exclusively, or yeah, like like have you? Has there been a bounce back and forth to D anD D for you? D anD D has always been the underpinning. Um. In there, there was a time that not much gaming was happening in my life because you know the satanic panic and and coming out into the nineties, uh, still with that mindset of you don't tell people you play D anD D because you know you don't want people to to freak out and point fingers and all that kind of stuff. But I was always purchasing settings and, and adventures and, and and splat books and things like that and always immersing myself in in D&D specifically other systems as they caught my eye but it was always my first my first priority my first love was always D&D and so every setting and, and I've played every setting or every every edition you know uh yeah all all the way from that iconic red box to now um mm-hmm. Because I, I would get, I would be lucky enough to find people, and eat, at least get a little bit of playing in before whatever you know, before life happens, stuff like that. But yeah, so D and D has always been there, whether I've been playing it or just consuming it. Yeah, you, you've had no blank. You've always been in it, I've whether always, or not you were playing or not. You've it. always been in it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. I started. About would have been about 13 years ago, 13, 14 years ago. Um, and I'm trying to think. I think I have played all the way through. Like, <clears throat> I don't, I don't need to get into the whole history of it, but I think I played with that, with basically a variation on that initial core group for about five years, four or five years. Mm. And then when that group broke, I started running games online. And I have been running with one of my groups online. I have been running for almost 10 years. That's straight. awesome. So um, I would say for me, it's definitely been 
straight through, and it's been D&D almost all the way. Like, and even now, I just wrapped up another D&D campaign last week, right? So, like, I'm still running D&D, even though I run a lot more of other things now. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, initially, there was a lot of Pathfinder mixed in with the D&D, but I just called it all the same. So, um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, I'm early 30s, uh, Mike. So, yeah, I, I got into D&D, like, when I was, like, 16-ish, 16, 17, something like that, and just wrote it all the way through. If And, and I'll say, even before that, there was four or five years before that where I was consuming a ton of Forgotten Realms novels. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my gateway, was Forgotten Realms novels. And then uh, Pathfinder and various actual play podcasts of D&D. And then D and D, and then it's just been D and D, D and D, D and D. Yeah. So I started playing right at the tail end of the um, of the three point five days. Uh, Mike started playing right at the tail end of that, where Pathfinder was going hot and heavy, um, and it just surged right after that because four E came out and nobody cared uh, in my area. <laughs> and so we we played Pathfinder for a long time while four E was a thing, and then I remember. I say I remember. Of course, we all remember. But it was a big thing for me because I didn't know about any other RPGs. Any other RPGs. And I remember my RGM at the time bringing the player's handbook for 5e to our table. And being like, how do you feel about a new campaign with a new edition? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Let's do it. <laughs> like, sounds cool. I don't even think that one got off the ground at all. But what what it did was... We didn't ever play that campaign, but we built characters for it, and we learned 5e for it. Mm. And then we ended up playing a different campaign, but but he got us to make the hop through that, so nice. it was weird. I find it fascinating that you kind of came to the gaming world through the novels. And I think that's really cool, because I'm, I'm trying to imagine reading those books and not having the game system to to lean on and go oh yeah they're doing this and they're doing that okay that's cool well i was you know i was junior high and high school reading a few dragon lands but largely forgotten realms books right and a lot of dritz and a lot of whatever right like anything i could get my hands on that way i don't think i read any of the dark sun books or anything like that but you know that was the time when i'm consuming literally just about anything fantasy that's on the library shelf. Mm-hmm. And so Forgotten Realms was a whole row of books on the library shelf, and that seemed very cool. Um, and I remember some of the Dritz books just had incredibly engaging covers. Yes. Um, but yeah, I had no idea what a drow was. And I had no idea what, like, I had no idea what a lot of these things were. And um, I remember there's a, there's, a, there's a point in one of the early... Salvatore books, I think Homeland, maybe it's even Homeland, it's definitely one of that trilogy, where they talk about the size of the drought. They're not even talking about the size of the drought. They're talking about elves, and they mm-hmm. mention that elves are small. And I bet I read that paragraph six times, because I had no concept of elves being shorter than humans, and it made no sense to me. And I because, was Because of Lord of the Rings? Yeah, because it was like, that's not how that works, right? Like, Lord of the Rings elves are very tall and whatever. Mm-hmm. 
and um, I got, I was like, this is this is stupid. I remember reading that, being like, I'm, I'm I discard this. I disbelieve. Um, um, uh. but no, I, I like I I learned about uh, you know, the Drow and Mesoboran and and the dwarves and Gulgrim and the Sword Coast and all that. I knew all that very comfortably before I ever even ran across it as a, as a game. Wow. Um, that's cool. And, and I loved it all pre that. And that's why like, to me, it, like forgotten realms is very natural as like my default setting because like, that's where my brain puts a lot of these things. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't know there was anything. <laughs> there was half this stuff before I read the forgotten realms novels. And that's how I, how I lived in it. Um, I mean, the only I've never played Dark Sun. I've only listened to that uh, a few series podcast series that played in Dark Sun, and I was just like caught up in the world. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, um, and I wasn't playing when I was doing that. Like, I, I didn't even know that you could buy Dark Sun <laughs> when I was listening oh, wow. to Dark Sun. It's like, oh, this is somebody's world, right? Like, somebody made this. That's cool. Um, I didn't even know that there was like other than Forgotten Realms. I didn't know there was a new, a, a different D and D setting for years. And I stumbled into them like, oh, there's all these others and they all have different ideas. That's cool. Um, But yeah, just bizarre. But 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 keep in mind that I was also hardcore homebrew and all my crew was Mm. as well back then. And they had been homebrew for years and years and years. I walked into a crew that had been playing together for 20 years and had their own homebrew world and stories and races and, you know, all sorts of things that came out of that. So that was what D and D was homebrew for forever. Um, yeah. Even though I, I had read all the forgotten realms books, I had no inclination or reason to feel like I needed to play in that world um, for, for a very long time. Right. So, yeah, yeah. It's kind Anyhow. of, it's, it's funny that the elves, your, your idea of elves were influenced by Tolkien. Well, not really funny, but I mean, it makes sense. And I think, my idea of elves were influenced because I'm trying to think when I read the Lord of the Rings, as opposed to when I read my first uh, graphic Elfquest. novel of ElfQuest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How'd you know? Because I know you like ElfQuest. Yeah, and I, oh, okay. we've talked about it okay. once upon a time. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 those well, both those elves are there. There's some elves that are short. And then there's some elves that are, you know, it, it way way taller than humans. I that so. that's dumb, and, and and you're dumb for liking it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, elves are tall. Um, uh, man. That's how they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, well, uh, that there's a trip down memory lane for you, uh, Mike. Um, yeah, no and I will say, I will say that I avoided for years and years and years. Uh, kind of as a little capstone to this setting conversation. I avoided for years and years and years having my own setting. And uh, it was only with Thomas uh, that I decided to make my own, you know, the the Ascension setting is my first ever foray into a homebrew thing completely. Like um, when I've been running games, it's either been in just like, a, I don't have a setting, it's just an adventure, or it's been in a forgotten realms or you know some other published thing so 
it's been it's just been the last few years that I've been like let's put together my own world as like a th- a setting that that has definitions and parameters. So fair, fair, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, hey, um, that was good. We have uh, we've officially crossed over the the hour mark, so we we managed to squeeze in a whole episode here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is great. Thanks for uh, thanks for chatting, uh, Mike and and Kirk. Um, yeah. it's, it's nice to have you guys in chat and, and, Craig. and everybody Craig else who too. was Craig was in there for a bit. Yeah, appreciate you. Um, and everybody else that's been hanging out, Draftsnat and uh, uh, Kata's been there and uh, Commander Root. There's there's several people that are hanging out in the background. Appreciate you guys for hanging out. Again, we're gonna have a really cool conversation with Ghostfire Gaming. That's our friend Joe Rasso and a special guest that he's bringing with him as well. That's on Sunday. Then next week, barring some weird, unfortunate event, uh, we're gonna do our putting uh, restrictions on your campaigns. Hey, um, if we haven't said this yet, we are now two months away, just a just a scant two months away from Origins, where you can come play a mountain of games with us. Which means that we're only four months away, three and a half months away from the beloved Gen Con. We're Last I counted, we're at like 700 hours of games yeah. across like 20 systems or something stupid like that. So uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. You should come to it. Um, uh, I think that's enough. Let's wrap it up. Um, yeah. Appreciate you guys. And until next week, we'll see you next time. Play good games, everybody. And if you know, you know. Perfect. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed. Uh, Give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube. And you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time.